Apple has just released their first series of custom silicon Macs, the lowest end ones, the lowest power ones. I'm talking fanless MacBook Air, two port MacBook Pro, silver Mac mini. And a lot of people have been just blown away by the ludicrous mode performance, responsiveness, efficiency, and for the MacBook specifically, the battery life. Like beating most of Apple's other machines, never mind most of the machines in the industry, on ultra low power. Others have been legitimately critical or concerned about compatibility, expandability, and customizability. As Apple focuses less on traditional computers and increasingly on computing appliances. Some though, some though, have just gone full on scalding hot take, like forget habanero or scotch bonnet or ghost pepper, just all new levels of last dab spicy. And I thought it'd be fun to take a look at some of those in real time and give you my live reactions to them right here, right now. Okay, so first bad Apple M1 take, and the honor goes to Apple. Let's take a look. Here is the CPU performance on power usage of the very latest PC laptop chip. And here's M1. Here is the graphics performance on power usage of that same PC laptop chip. And here's M1. Because fair is fair, and you showed a bunch of graphs and made a bunch of claims without any labels or any details. And yes, you absolutely did put in indicators like 10 watts and two times performance and one quarter power draw. So we can look at that and, you know, divide by zero, carry the one, just math out the implications for higher power systems. But it does mean by being obscure about things, you will get pushback. And I know the press release that went out right after the presentation did include more in terms of detail. And I can only assume you didn't put those footnotes on the actual presentation because just the idea of all that tiny text on your beautifully produced videos is anathema to you. And even on the press release, the language is still deliberately vague. And I can get not wanting to go for Intel's neck, not wanting to call out Intel by name at all or specific processor generations and implementations by name because you're still selling systems made by Intel. And that would be just hella awkward for everybody, but that's your choice. And so again, it's your responsibility for a lot of the pushback. Second bad M1 take is from PC World's Gordon Ma Ung. And he starts off with, let me just say this out loud, okay? Apple is full of it. I'm referring to Apple's claim that it's fanless. ARM-based MacBook Air is faster than 98% of PC laptops. Yes, you read that correctly. Apple officials literally claim that the new MacBook Air using Apple's custom M1 chip is faster than 98% of all PC laptops sold this year. Oh, Gordon, you're executive editor and you still fell victim to one of the classic blunders, the most famous of which is never get involved in a spec war on Reddit. But only slightly less well-known is this. Never rush to pub claim chowder when a Nantech benchmarks are about to go online. As you yourself wrote, 98% of PC laptops sold, of which a great many are just craptacular. Not the 2% of the ultra high-end laptops in name only that you list as proof of point, thereby making the point. And the single core benchmarks that have come out since, not only but including especially a Nantech, 
show that even these ultra-low power, ultra-low-end chips pretty much smoke 98% of what's out there. And you do keep pointing out fanless as though that should indicate the performance efficiency in like Ralph Wiggum's unpossible terms, especially when you consider the moment you unplug a lot of those high-performance laptops, they become the opposite of high-performance. They downramp considerably and immediately. So you can really see how important that efficiency part of M1 is to the performance. And I don't know, but I'd want the executive editor of PC World to be really rallying Wintel, WinAMD, WinCom, whatever, just all the troops right now and insist they start working just very, very, very hard to make this kind of performance efficiency just the new normal for everyone. Third bad take is from Linus Sebastian of Linus Tech Tips in a video dash titled Slow Motion Dumpster Fire. Proudly announced to the world that you can now pay real actual money for a computer with basically the same guts as an iPad. Yes. I mean, yes. Why wouldn't Apple be proud of that? It is exactly what anyone, absolutely anyone who's been paying any attention at all to the performance of iPads relative to the Celerons and Y series that Intel has just been cramming into ultralights for years. It's what all of us have been begging for. Those quote unquote iPad chips have been providing better performance efficiency than traditional computing chips for generations and now respun for the Mac. That's going to be even more true than ever. And instead of just disparaging them as iPad chips, I would love to hear your thoughts on the implications for what this means for those traditional computers going forward. Who wrote this crap? Anthony, did you pull that right out of their slides? <laughs> anyway. I get that this is tongue in cheek and that you don't write the stuff yourself, but you have said in the past that you at least read it before you say it out loud. And so this really is coming off as just jokes, but you are just super smart and you know that we know that. So a lot of this stuff comes off in these videos as maybe you're thinking we're dumb and would rather be laughed at than learned. And that feels kind of super cynical. I think I'll call it as for short. The ASM1 processor is Apple's first PC grade processor. And this is exactly, I mean, you are a legit genius and inspiration and Canadian icon with an incredible ability to communicate and educate your massive multi-million sub audience. But instead of talking about the actual pros and cons of M1, what it could mean for the industry and everything else aside, the way you have for AMD, for example, recently, how it could help propel everyone forward like the A7 did for mobile, you're, you're choosing to talk down and pander to every wounded PC stand just looking for a quick saccharine hit after Apple's announcement. And I don't mean to sound salty about that. I really don't. I just really want to see Apple reviews from you that are as legit terrific as your PC reviews. Next bad M1 take is from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman on Twitter, who's easily one of the best tech reporters in the game. But sometimes, sometimes when new products hit, seems to set his phasers on roast. And to be fair, this take was by no means unique to Mark, but he just expressed it really succinctly. Have to believe at this point, not putting touch on the Mac is influenced by not wanting to hurt iPad sales. Why would Apple make a hybrid when they can sell you both? And I mean, historically, famously, 
Apple just does not care about cannibalizing their own products. They prefer to do it themselves rather than wait and have anybody else do it. Just going from the iPod to the iPod mini and then the iPod nano, the iPad mini to the iPad, the iPhone plus and max to the iPad mini, the budget iPad to the iPad air, the iPhone 11 to the iPhone 11 pro, the iPhone SE, the MacBook Air, it just the list goes on and on. Apple just doesn't mistake their products for their businesses. So they tend not to ride products into the ground, killing those businesses like many of their competitors have done over the years. Instead, they let those products fight for the business. There's this famous Phil Schiller slide, what I've been calling the Phil Schiller doctrine, that each product just pushes against the next highest product that the Apple Watch just keeps pushing to take over more jobs from the iPhone and the iPhone to take over more jobs from the iPad and the iPad from the Mac. And then each of those higher devices has to fight back in order to survive by doing even more and better than the device that's pushing against them. And that's sort of the virtuous cycle that lets Apple improve its entire product line over time. For me, it really comes down to just two possibilities that Apple really, truly doesn't believe that touch belongs on the current generation of Mac OS and Mac devices, but that maybe some next generation device at some point will take over those characteristics. Or like when Steve Jobs famously said, there will never be video on an iPod or Apple will never ship an iPhone or they will never make a small tablet. Apple just keeps saying no until the day they announce it. Next bad M1 take is from Daniel Newman writing for MarketWatch. And Daniel says, I believe Microsoft could be the big winner during this transition for the Mac. The Microsoft Surface has seen its growth rates up 37% in its most recent quarter, tracking over 6 billion in its trailing four quarters. This number is still much smaller than the Mac, which saw its Mac revenue at 9 billion in the most recent quarter, reflecting its best quarter ever, growing 28% year over year. Still, I believe there may have been some padding with buyers seeking to upgrade before Apple moves away from the Intel-based silicon. And I mean, wow, hold on a second, because stats are hard and this always seems to need clarification. But if you sell one of something and then you sell one more, you have doubled your sales. If you already sell a million of them and then you sell one more, not so much. So comparing 6 billion in trailing four quarters to 9 billion in the most recent quarter, when Apple doesn't even have that big of a market share, it just comes off as kind of desperate. And if you think people are worried about the transition to M1 and are then buying Intel Macs in sufficient numbers to pad that volume, rather than buying Microsoft Surface devices instead, that doesn't prove the thesis of Microsoft being the big winner here, but kind of the opposite of that, which, ouch. And you do, you do raise some important points about just how seamless this transition will really need to be for just a wide range of real people, which is totally legit. But also, Daniel Newman is the principal analyst at Futurum Research which provides or has provided research analysis and or consulting to Qualcomm, NVIDIA, Intel, Microsoft, Samsung, ARM. And I really do applaud the disclosure. I really, really do. It's ethical and it's important. 
But as far as I know, Apple doesn't pay for this kind of stuff the way their competitors do. And those are their competitors. So being transparent, when you're being so transparent, is a very mixed blessing at best. Next bad M1 take goes to Patrick Moorhead, writing for Forbes. I've read the first batch of Apple MacBook Pro 13-inch M1 reviews from the Apple chosen press, and you'd be hard to find anything negative about the new laptop. And I gotta stop it right there because Apple chosen reviewers is a gimmick you retread over and over again in this piece. And every reviewer is chosen by the company that makes every product they review. If Dieter Bowen or Joanna Stern or Dave2D or MKBHD or anyone reviews any pre-release product by any company, including Apple, but also Samsung and Microsoft and Google, basically anyone, it's because the company sent that product, that pre-release product to them for review. So I don't get this at all. It just feels like a super cheap way to imply bias and discount their work and attack their reputations when you know they're all super pro. Their reps are super solid and there's just no there there. It's like Kevin Sorbo levels of disappointing. Now, in fairness, you are having issues. You're tweeting a bunch of issues, some M1, some Big Sur, with the kind of apps and workflows that you use, typically cross-compiled business apps. And that is absolutely critical to the types of business users who, like production users, pretty much everyone recommends just never upgrading their software, never mind hardware platforms day one, even month one. There are literally whole IT departments to vet that kind of stuff before they, we, you, all of us do that. Some of that pain also involves Electron apps. And as someone who spent the last many years in abject misery as bloated, wasteful Electron and Chrome render agents have just propagated like tribbles down my activity monitor and choked the life out of my Intel Macs, this is reflective of truly terrible app development strategy in general not M1 specific. Though, of course, terrible apps should be like 100% as terrible on M1 Macs as they are on Intel Macs. And Apple did literally nothing to set that expectation. And John Reedy responding to this piece on Twitter, I appreciate that you disclose at the end that you've been paid by Microsoft, Intel, AMD, but not Apple. Makes sense. Thank you for your honesty. And yes, Same, again, absolutely, kudos on the disclosure. But given the coverage that we're getting, it really does make me wish Intel, Qualcomm, and the like would focus less on consulting coverage and swag and more on silicon advancements, or por qué no los dos. Just like Apple driving competition will make everyone else better, everyone else driving the same competition back at Apple will force Apple to be better as well. And that's not only good for them, that is even better for us. Next bad M1 take is basically my entire Apple tech Twitter and TechTube timeline right now, who are so very excited about the new M1 Max, they're telling everyone else only half jokingly to basically go throw their Intel Macs in the trash fire, which I get. 
because M1 is so new and so shiny. But like I've been saying this whole time, these M1 Macs are the low power, low end machines. And sure, they'll let more people do way more on those machines than the exact same Intel models just ever did, but they're still the low power, low end machines. And I know it's super tempting to try and squeeze into shoes that are just a couple sizes too small for you, especially if they're the new hotness and they just don't come in your size yet. And to quote Greg's gadgets, they don't burn your feet the way the previous ones did, but they will still make your feet ache. So if you really, if you really do need more ports, more RAM, more SSD, more, just more anything than these machines currently provide, you can absolutely get a MacBook Air or a quote unquote MacBook Air Pro or Mac Air Mini just to satiate your nerd lust if you have the money for now, but you'll still need those more ports, more RAM, more SSD. So be ready for that short-term pain and for the higher end full-on MacBook Pros, Mac Minis, and iMacs that'll be certainly coming our way next. And if you need resources that only the Intel models are providing for now, God's sakes, just use those Intel models. It is literally why Apple is still selling them. And if you have any more questions or just want to chat about any of this, check out my members-only Discord, where we talk all things M1, Mac, iPhones, iPads, watches, gear, workflows, and just so much more. You can find it on Patreon. And yeah, I have Patreon now, patreon.com slash Ritchie. I set it up right after I quit my big media job in March right before all of 2020 happened and just as I was starting this new indie channel. And it's great because there's a whole preview section where I share ideas and outlines for these videos before they're even shot. Sometimes early versions of the videos before they go live, longer versions of interviews when they're available, like 45 minutes with iJustine or Walt Mossberg or event reactions or more. And there are even ways to get your name in the description of every video and the credits. To be more involved in this community and to contribute directly to the creation of these videos and future projects, including things like my new podcast with Georgia Dow, check out patreon.com slash Ritchie, or just click the link in the description. And clicking on that link really helps out the channel. For just a ton more on the M1 Apple Silicon Macs, click the playlist above. I'm doing in-depth analysis, reviews, and just so much more to come. So click that playlist and I'll see you in the next video.